Well, good morning to everybody out there. Appreciate your prayers this morning. This is one of those topics that, you know, it's easy to speak to husbands. I'm one of them, right? It's, it's a little bit more of a challenge to, to speak to wives and, and hopefully communicate what the Bible communicates in a very winsome way where you don't feel like you're being attacked, okay? And so that's not my heart this morning, obviously. But obviously the Word of God has got some very direct things to say to both husbands and wives. And so I hope with that heart you'll take that into account this morning as we study in Ephesians chapter 5. You can just go ahead and open your Bibles there. That's where we're going to jump in this morning. I do have a couple of introductory comments that I want to make before we start diving into the text. And, you know, this was something that we talked about when we started with the roles of the husbands. And that is this, roles in marriage are different, okay? Men and women are different. That's a a no-brainer. But um, the intrinsic value and worth of each person is exactly the same before the Lord. We've got to remember that. And when we're talking about distinctions in roles, we're not talking about distinctions in value. We're not talking about distinctions in worth. That's totally a, a separate topic. And in fact, when we look at the scriptures, we see that every believer is loved, valued, and accepted just the way they are in Jesus Christ. God saw to it that every believer is put in Jesus Christ with all the resources and blessings and status that come with being in Jesus Christ. And so that's the good news as we look at this. And one of the things that we see in both husband and wife roles is both roles, in order to function biblically, have to in some level give up their own patterns of self-protection. This is what causes many issues in, in marriage. And we need to be more interested in fulfilling our roles instead of interested in receiving what we perceive to be our rights. That's many problems in marriage come from that simple statement. If we would be more occupied with the Lord in fulfilling our roles, not occupied with our spouse and how they're not fulfilling our rights or meeting our expectations, we'll take a step forward in our marriage. If we could just understand that truth. And so at, at that level, what we see is that God's word teaches that male and female are equal, but the matter of a wife's submission to her own husband is related, but it's still a different topic than gender equality. Because a wife is told to submit to her husband does not imply that she's lesser or not equal or has, the, has a different worth or value than her husband. We've got to understand when the Bible teaches about equality, uh, the Bible teaches that all genders are equal. But when we get into a marriage relationship, the roles are different. And that's okay. It shouldn't, that shouldn't cause anybody any angst, although the way the culture pushes that is it causes everybody angst. It causes everybody concern. Oh, they, these Christians, they just want to dominate and domineer their women and not give them a voice. That's not true at all. In fact, only a foolish husband will do that. Only a foolish husband will say, shut up, wife, cook me food, go clean the, the, the dishes and the laundry and leave me alone. Like I'm going to, you know, smoke my pipe in the den and read a book or something. You know, only a foolish husband would do that. Now, one of the things we want to say and say it kind of unequivocally is that the Bible does not teach that all women are subordinate to men. Let's get that into our head. That's not what Ephesians 5 is going to teach. But what it teaches is that one woman is to submit to one man within the relationship of marriage. This isn't, we're not talking about a male-dominated society. We're not talking about all women are subordinate to men. That's not even the issue here. We're talking about the most unique relationship on planet Earth, this one flesh 
relationship that we've been studying about, that's what we're talking about this morning. In fact, you know, many people would agree, and we looked at this the last couple of weeks, that Christ is the role model and example for husbands. We see that off. I mean, it's clear in the passage that we looked at. But you know that few realize that Christ is also the role model for wives? This, this is what we don't pick up. We're going to look at these passages a little bit more closely later in, this, in the message. But what you're going to see is that Jesus Christ himself subjected himself or submitted to the Father. Same exact word used of wise. Now, does that mean that Jesus Christ is not equal to the Father? Or that Jesus Christ is somehow lesser God than God the Father because he submitted himself? Well, clearly that's not true. He's, he's co-equal with God. So he took a role, a function, to place himself under the Father's authority. And we see that in his earthly life. And what we're also going to see is we're going to see that in the future, that he does that with the kingdom on earth. So it, doesn't, it has nothing to do with value, worth, personhood, anything like that. So Jesus is just as big of an example for wives in marriage than he is for husbands in marriage. And many times that's not often um, brought out. And I think that's a very important point. Unfortunately, as we know in our day, many wives give off the wrong picture in living contrary to God's order for marriage. And when we talk about submission, the word that should come to mind is order. Order, orderly, in order, those kind of things go together. And we'll kind of look at that as we get more closely. And by the way, just a quick word to the single women. Um, let's just call it what it is. If, if you don't want to submit to the hus- a husband, don't get married. That's just, just a word of advice, okay? You can have that opinion. Fine, just don't get married because what you're going to be looking forward to is what we like to call hell on earth. It's just, it's not going to work out. It's going to be miserable. God has wired and designed you in a certain way. He set up an order in marriage that it functions in a successful way that you've received the full benefit of that and purpose, purpose, life, enjoyment, all that as you fulfill your God-designed role in marriage. So if you're rejecting that role, not interested in fulfilling that role, great. Be single, okay? Save, save, don't save a whale, save a man. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Sorry. That's sometimes flow of thought just comes out. So, you know, the word submit in our day is a six-letter curse word. We know that, right? This is, this is something that you typically don't bring up in mixed company because you know how this is going to go down, Right? You know how this, this word is going to come off to people. It's like, oh, you're one of them. Conversation's over. And you know, submit is not a six-letter curse word. In fact, verse 22, let's read it. It said, wives, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And one of the things that we have to understand about this verse is just as much as verse 18 was tied to verse 25 for the husbands. Remember, we said that verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that that thought didn't start there. The thought actually started up in verse 18, which is this. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And see, Just as husbands needed to learn that you cannot love your wife as Christ loved the church unless you're walking by means of the Spirit, biblical marriages need women to walk by means of the Spirit so they might submit to their husbands as unto the Lord. It's it's all interconnected there. 
This is all part of walking by means of the Spirit. This is how it's going to reveal itself in your marriage, ladies, is as you walk in submission. And by the way, the reason you need to do this is because it's impossible for you to do this on your own. In fact, let's, before we get into the word submit, um, let's just remind ourselves of what we look back at Genesis, all the way back in Genesis 3.16. Let's turn there. Hold your finger in Ephesians. And before I say what I'm about to say, let me just reiterate, I'm not saying this to be critical of wives or critical of women. I'm trying to give you an understanding of what's going on and why this is so difficult in marriage. I'm, I'm your cheerleader. I'm rooting for you. I'm not trying to beat you down or criticize you, but I just want you to know there's something going on that's contrary to you submitting to your husband, and you need to know that it's there. You need to know why it's there. In fact, it's part of the fall. It's part of your sinful nature. And here's what it is. We looked at this more closely in a, in a previous sermon, but Genesis 3.16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Here's the phrase. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And we looked at that phrase really carefully when we studied through that section, I don't know, six weeks ago. And the idea that your desire shall be for your husband has the idea that you will want to rule or control or influence your husband in marriage, in that marriage relationship. And that's going to be a natural bent for women. I I don't know why, and I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that that is what you're up against women. And that's why when he gives the command in verse 22 of Ephesians 5, submit to your own husbands, that should instill a, a level of inadequacy in your thinking, knowing that if you don't rely on the Lord, this is not going to come natural. In fact, if you walk according to the flesh, what's going to come natural is you're going to try to control, you're going to try to manipulate, you're going to try to get everything done your way. And you know what? That's not honoring to the Lord. You will not enjoy life that will not benefit you. That will harm you. What the, the ironic thing about the sin nature is it will convince you to do things in the exact opposite way that the Bible teaches and convince you that that's going to be better for you. That's exactly what the sin nature does. And so that's why when women are in marriage and they get a little bit fearful, their husband's maybe going a little too fast or he's making this decision and they can see that's not going to turn out well. It's really hard for them to hold back, trust the Lord by trusting their husband. Because they think if he does that, he's going to hurt me, thus I must self-protect. And if he does that, he's going to harm the children, thus I must self-protect. And if he does this, and if he does that, and if he doesn't do this, and if I don't jump in there and correct him here, everything's going to fall apart, and I jump in there to self-protect. There's a natural tendency, ladies, and I'm just kind of telling you, that's, that's there, it's part of the fall. I'm sorry, I wish it wasn't there. But I'm also sorry last week that your husbands don't know how to love you better. That we don't, we don't know how to do that naturally. That we need the Spirit of God to do it in the way that you need it. I'm sorry for that too. But it's the truth. That's what we're dealing with in marriage. And if we don't understand that, it's going to be really hard. In fact, many women come to Ephesians 5.22 and their attitude towards submission is, well, that's what my husband said to do. But, you know, I think that's a ridiculous and stupid idea. But, you know, the Bible says submit. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's funny because I think, um, no, never mind. This, I won't, I'll say it later probably, I'm sure. Anyways, the word submit, hupotasso, simply means this, to place in order. To place under in an orderly fashion, it was a military term meaning to line up in order. Okay, so if you can picture a group of soldiers in line following 
orders, if you will, are lining up where they're supposed to be, where, they've, where their platoon or their assignment has been given. There's an orderly approach about this word. And this is the word that Paul uses here to, to the wise, to place yourself under your own husband. This is God's biblical mandate for a wife, and this was his original design for Eve. And, and one of the things I think wives need to understand is this is part of the job description, and it's not rewritable. That's, I think we've got to understand. And what we're going to see is this is not just something that God put in place in the garden. This is God's order for marriage even in our day. And this is just part of the job description. This is part of how God has designed marriage to function in a way that would bring him glory, that would actually bring out the best in your husband as well. All of this is put together because God knows how to put this stuff together. In fact, God has a certain order that he wants things done, a certain way that he wants to accomplish things, and he knows what's best. And what's best in a marriage relationship is the husband leading and the wife placing herself under her husband's leading. And you know what? If we're being honest with ourselves, um, that's really scary for the wife. Trust me, I know. I've lived with myself for almost 43 years. I know how scary that must be for my wife. There's times I don't even trust myself. I, I get it. You know, I get it, women, but this is what's best in terms of God's order. You know what? And this is what's best for a spirit-led wife, whether she realizes or not. And many women are out there convincing themselves that if I'm walking by means of the spirit, I've got to protect myself. And they say, oh yeah, I'm in fellowship with God. Oh yeah, I'm in fellowship with God. I don't trust my husband, but I'm in fellowship with God. First John would call you a liar. you you cannot go against the teaching of God's word and be in fellowship with God. It doesn't, doesn't work that way, right? You can't be black and red at the same time, right? I mean, just this is common sense. You can't be violating God's clear teaching in the word and say, oh, yeah, I'm in fellowship with him. A spirit-led wife, one who's controlled and filled by the spirit of God that we looked at in verse 18, is going to be a submissive wife. They're going to learn what it means to place themselves under their own husband. And this is so important to understand. And one of the reasons it's so important, and it kind of comes out in the language of the command, the command's in the middle voice, okay? It's very significant because it indicates that she, the wife, does the action, and then the benefit of the action comes back upon her, okay? In other words, she benefits from actually obeying this command, walking by means of the Spirit to submit to her own husband. She's going to receive the benefit from it. She's going to receive personal benefit. And what is the, the, the contrary to teaching that in our culture? If you submit to your husband, he's going to walk all over you. If you submit to your husband, he's going to take advantage of you. You'll never get your way. So you've got to stand up for yourself. You know, these boots are made for walking and you need, and that's just what you'll do. You know, I mean, all these songs and all these cultural references totally go against this. And God wants you to say, women, will you trust me? Will you, will you trust me? Will you trust me that I know what's best for you? Will you trust me that if you just do it this way, if you go about things this way, will you be convinced in your mind to walk by faith, even when your husband is difficult and not, maybe he's not even acting worthy to be trusted? Will you still trust me, ladies? This is what God wants us to be convinced of, um, us, not me, not me, wives, wants wives to be convinced of. And, and, and to just say, you know what, this is a very practical way, women, that you can walk by faith. 
You know, every time we, uh, we have conversations about walking by faith, you know, that's, that's what the Christian life is, walking by faith. And someone says, oh, well, give me something practical. Give me something practical. There's nothing more practical than that. To be living in the house, house with, a, with a man who's walking according to the flesh that's not loving you the way you, d- you are designed to be loved in marriage and still saying, you know what, Lord, but I can trust you by still fulfilling my role. I want to be in fellowship with you regardless if my husband is a raving lunatic walking according to the flesh. I want to respond to you, not react to him. That's, that's where the rubber meets the road for women and wives. And that's when we talk about walking by faith, that's what we're talking about. Notice too that the word is not in the passive voice. It means that this hasn't been enforced on her against her will. This is the way God's designed it. But you know what, ladies? You have a choice. See, God is, is always a gentleman. He's not going to force you to make right decisions, but he's going to put everything in place, give you every resource available. We see that in verse 18, that you can be filled with the Spirit. Every resource is at your disposal, that if you'll mentally and actively choose to walk by faith, believing God's word, trusting him, this is going to be good for you. It's going to come back to benefit you. What submission is not. You know, this is uh, probably a really valuable thing to go through, a really valuable list to go through, because there's so much um, just misinformation out there about what submission is. In fact, if you looked it up on YouTube, which I wouldn't recommend, you'll hear all these things, right? These are all the critical concepts. If you Google this, this is what you're going to hear. But let's just talk about what biblical submission is not. It is not an inferior position. It doesn't mean you have an inferior status. It doesn't mean you have an inferior value. See, we're talking about a role here. We're talking about a function here. We're not talking about your value. Your value is unquestionable. Jesus came and died for you. You're you're the apple of God's eye. God loves you. You have an, an inestimable, inestimable, anyways, you can't estimate how much you're loved by God, women, this has nothing to do with your value or worth or your usefulness in the local church or your usefulness in the home or your usefulness out in the community. It has nothing to do with this. We're talking about a role. We're talking about a function. You know, 1 Peter 3, 7 says that you are joint heirs. You're co-heirs with your husband. It doesn't mean that he gets a little bit more and you get a little bit less and just, you know, shut up and deal with that. No, you're co-heirs. You conceptually, think about this, this might blow your mind, but as we talk about roles in the kingdom of God, conceptually wives may have a a higher position in administration than their believing husbands might be due to faithfulness in their life. So don't, wives, don't get distracted by your husband's carnality. You make things right vertically. You rightly be related to the Lord, fulfilling your function. You've got a high calling. To me, it's a difficult calling because what God is telling you to do is trust an infallible man with your well-being, your security, your safety, and your life. But the good news is this, Jesus is still your Savior. (laughs) So you're looking through that man to Jesus Christ. And when you get discouraged with that man, you won't get discouraged with Jesus Christ. That's the good news for the ladies. You know, submission is not a wife who never disagrees with their husband's voices her opinions or concerns. And I said it earlier, I'll say it again, a husband would be an absolute fool not to listen to his wife's concerns or her thoughts. 
a husband would be an absolute fool to make large family decisions without his wife's input. That, that is just a, a foolish, uh, carnal thing to do as a husband. So we're clearly submission is not that. Hey, just submission. Yeah, just go home and shut up and don't say anything to your husband. Just always agree with him. Keep him happy. No, wives, <laughs> we need you to voice your concerns. Trust me, we don't see everything. Some of you women already know that. I, that's not a rocket science. But, but guys, you don't know that sometimes. We need our wives. And sub, a good submissive wife is not a silent wife. That is, that is garbage from the culture. That is not even true. That's not what submission is. Submission is not turning your brain off. It's not going into this drone mode, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. Like you've seen the, the old movie Stepford Wives, right? I mean, it's just kind of that, that mindset that that's the perfect wife. That is not the perfect wife. That is not the right wife. In fact, for, for women to walk by means of the Spirit, their brains have to be fully engaged. They have to actively true, choose to walk by faith in the Spirit of God. They have to actively make that decision. Then we're not clearing their minds we're, we're encouraging women to actively engage your mind and trust the Lord. That's what we're talking about here. So it's not just turning your, wife, your, your mind off. Again, we mentioned this earlier. It's not just women submitting to men. It's the one wife submitting to her own husband. Again, notice the phrase in verse 22, to your own husbands. You know, people have confused this over time. I remember um, even just hearing a story about uh, when Carrie was, was in high school and she was, um, she she was running for student council president, student council president. It would have been the first girl in the school's history. It was a, a private Christian school. And one of the Bible teachers vocally opposed Carrie running. And you know what verse he cited? Ephesians 5.22, women should be submissive to men. It's ridiculous. That's, that is an absolutely ridiculous application that has no bearing in a Christian school. And, and, we, and we see that. We see this come out, you know, that some people say, well, I would never work there because a woman's the president of the company. Who cares? More power to her. I, this is not talking about women being president of, the, uh, president of the company. And, you know, we almost had a, a woman president. And, and that's okay, too. Just not that woman, probably, but maybe another woman. That was probably an issue, but... Um, Women in, as a whole, leading in society, that's totally fine. That's not what this verse is talking about. This is one woman submitting or placing herself under one man in a marriage relationship. I mean, we can't say that enough or repeat it enough or try to clearly teach that enough because this is so misunderstood everywhere we go. You know, submission is not a perch for the I told you so's of life. I kind of alluded to this earlier, but some women will take the approach um, and what I was going to say is a lot of times it's like Southern women. I don't know what it is. I don't mean to criticize Southern women, but I, but what I have noticed is some women, they, they kind of take pride in this. They're like, yeah, well, you know, my husband's doing this and I think that's ridiculous. And I think he's crazy and I think he's doing this, but you know, the Bible says I got to submit. So I'm just going to submit. And so what they're doing is they're not submitting emotionally, internally. They're just submitting verbally after they down their husband and dishonor him. That's not submission, right? And so a lot of women will say, okay, I told you not to do that. I'm just fine. I'm going to submit. And then they sit over here and then they almost root for their husband to fail so that they can tell him so. 
You know, that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's not, it's not a purge for you to say, okay, this is really, really dumb. And this is about to go really, really bad. But I'll just let him do it. And once he does it, I'm going to tell him that I told him that this was really, really dumb and it was going to go really bad. And then I'm going to make him know that I was right and he was wrong and that he probably should listen to me in the future, right? That's what I mean by a perch for I told you, okay, go ahead, man, go ahead and fail. And once you do, I'm going to point it out to you. That's not submission. That is, that is a carnal, prideful attitude to say, you know what? I am smarter than my husband. I am right. I, you know, he may be the head, but I'm a, I, I need to be the neck. Like I need to turn that head when I want to turn it, where I want to turn it. And I kind of alluded to this, but it's not just the right actions. It's a right attitude. You know, rolling your eyes, sighing heavily. It's, it's the little, it's the little almost nonverbal things that, that wives can do to reflect that, that maybe they're going through the right actions, but their heart is far from honoring the Lord. And that's what we're talking about, women. Again, women still submit. I, I kind of alluded to this, sometimes still throwing them under the bus. Now, what is submission? Let's talk about that. Submission is, is simply this, recognizing and trusting God's original design for marriage. Women buying in that this role, in this role, if fulfilled biblically, led by the Spirit of God, you will not be happier, more content, or, or filled with purpose in your entire life unless you buy into this and walk in light of these truths. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's buying into God's original design for marriage. And like I said earlier, it's truly scary. It's it's walking, it's walking by faith in God's plan. It's, it's trusting God's word over and above what you can see. See, that's, that, that is really where the rubber meets the road for all of us in many areas. Are we going to trust God's word over and above what we can see? And see, most of us are professional walk-by-siders. That's, that's what we do. We do it well. We know how to do that well. We think through all 14 contingencies that possibly will come up. And then we walk by sight through all of those contingencies until we feel comfortable with the plan. And then we're like, ah, okay, now I can trust the Lord. No, you haven't trusted the Lord at all. You've trusted in yourself. That's the problem. And so women just encourage you to be convinced that what God says is true. It may seem like the way up is down, but guess what? That's how God rolls sometimes. The way up is down. The way right is left sometimes, right? All those opposite things that we see in the scriptures that don't make any sense. And yet the the way that God values this life and the way God works sometimes looks like the exact opposite. And that's why we got to walk by faith. We're trusting that God knows what he's doing and he knows what's best for us. Submission is wives entrusting themselves to God by entrusting themselves to the leadership of a fallen man. And then one last thing, submission is diametrically opposed to what's natural. It, it, and, if, and if wives don't understand this and you feel like, oh, no, I can, I can be submissive. No, I'm, I'm pretty quiet. I've got a kind of a quiet personality. Oh, no, no, no. I respect my husband. Just, just wait. There will be a day that you don't. There will be a day that you don't feel like that. There will be a day that something comes up circumstantially that you just can't hold back any longer and you're about to let it rip 
And you need to remember at this point that when God says submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, that you need spiritual resources to accomplish that. Yeah, it's real easy when the husband's loving you the right way to respond this way. Oh man, he's great. He's doing everything for me, right? But what, what happens when he stops? What happens when he hits a, a rough patch in life and he's not resting or relying upon the Lord? That doesn't excuse wives from, from continuing to respond to the Lord during those times. And so just want to encourage you there that this is going to be diametrically opposed to what's natural. You know, one of the other things before we, we move on to this next phrase in the verse, I think we, we just got to encourage you wives. Um, your role is not to prevent your husband from making mistakes. Can we, just, can we just buy into that, women? That's not your role in marriage. Your husband is going to make mistakes. And don't say amen too loud. You might hurt his feeling, feelings. Your husband's going to make mistakes. It's not your responsibility to prevent him from making mistakes. Don't take that pressure upon yourself. Now, is it your responsibility to, to communicate with your husband, share concerns, share your, your, your heart in certain areas? Yes, it is. But in terms of preventing him from making mistakes, and I think women, uh, you know, oftentimes will go around like, like after their toddlers and just like, and just make sure they're not falling, make sure, you know, make sure they're not, you know, when babies start to learn to walk, that's what we do, right? We chase them all over the house because like they start teetering and it's like they're heading forward to this sharp corner here. Next thing you know, like if you don't catch them, you're off to the emergency room for the whatever time that month, you know, with little kids. And so, but that's not how you have to treat your husband. You know, many times we, we, women, I I feel like go around just trying to prevent their husbands from making mistakes. And when they start doing that, it's because they're grasping control. They're grasping control. They're trying to rule. They're trying to influence. They're trying to do things the way that they want to do it. And, And God wants to encourage you just trust him. And in fact, that's what we've, we've, we pick up from the next phrase in verse 22. Let's go back there. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And that phrase, as to the Lord, to me is the key to the wife's submission in this passage. This is so key to understand because it speaks to their mindset. It speaks to the fact of, of how they're thinking. And see, if wives quit thinking in the Christian life, They'll have no chance to live in submission to their husband in a God-honoring way because they're just going to gravitate towards what's natural. We have to be biblically thinking, biblically relying upon the Lord in order to fulfill these roles, both husbands and wives. And so they need to be filled with the Spirit. And so this phrase here, as unto the Lord or as to the Lord, really indicates that that's the proper mindset to submit to your own husband. That's the proper mindset that needs to come into play. And as I was saying before, wives, you don't submit to your husbands because they're worthy of being submitted to. I mean, good night. I, probably more than half the time, they're not worthy to be submitted to. The kind of shenanigans that we pull as husbands, I, I, mean, I, I mean, good night. It, they're probably not worthy all the time to be submitted to. If we're just being honest and, and cutting it straight. But that's not the point. <laughs> The point is not their worth. The point is what God has instructed you as wives to do and just to buy into in this situation. You don't submit, wives, because your husbands are intellectually superior to you. You don't submit, oh, well, he's a lot smarter than me, so I'll just go with what he's. 
It might not be the case. I mean, I can't speak for everybody's marriage, but I know that's not the case in my household. And she's a lot, I mean, valedictorian over here. I mean, I'm just, just saying. I mean, she, she knows a lot of stuff. She knows a lot more than me. She's actually helped me on a ton of theological issues I've had over the years. So it's, it's not that she's to submit because I'm this intellectually superior. Well, I've got my master's and doctorate degree and you should listen to me. That, go, that goes out the window. That's not what we're talking about. And it's not because they're intellectually superior. Many times we're not as husbands, maybe in a situation. But it's because God has designed it this way. Wives don't submit to their husbands because they have more wisdom than they do in life. That also may not be true. Wives are to submit because of their recognition that God is ultimately in charge. And here's what's, what, what wives need to be convinced of, just as an encouragement. God's capable of leading your husband. Wives, I just like write that on a note card and read it <laughs> every day. It, it, it doesn't look that way, right? I know he's set in his ways. I know he always does. I, I mean, I know. I know the stories. I know, I know what Carrie would share if she... You know, John always does it. John's just, this, I mean, I get it, right? But the point is this, God's capable of leading your husband and he's capable of protecting you. Can we just encourage our wives in that, that they might trust the Lord and see through all of the other things in their life that they want to walk by sight on as it relates to their husband. God is capable of leading your husband. He's capable of protecting you. And because of this, wives don't have to manipulate their husbands to maintain control and protect themselves. They just don't have to do it. God's in this thing. He wants to do that for you. He wants to protect you and give you wisdom. And so wives need to come alongside of their husbands, help and support them, become the men of God that he wants them to be. Wives have a role in that. They have a a contribution to that. And take that mindset versus this self-protection mindset that's so easily to, uh, to succumb to. Because I'll say this, if your husband uh, is walking by means of the Spirit and you're assisting him in that, you will never live in greater peace, love, and security than than at that moment. When your husband learns to do that, and wives, you play a part, you are one of the, the tools that God can use in his life. And when your husband begins to see you placing yourself under him, trusting him with decisions, allowing him to, to lead the family, when he sees that, you know what most husbands are going to do? They're gonna, their knees are going to start shaking. They're going to fall on their knees and they're going to start depending on the Lord because they're going to say, wow, this just got serious. It, this isn't just about me anymore. This is about me and her and all these little things running around our house. Like this is big time and I better start taking this serious and I need to walk by means of the spirit. And you'll see how many times if both people are fulfilling their roles, all it does is spur one another on to walking in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And that's what beautiful marriages look like. It's not because you bring roses home once in a while. It's not because you make his favorite meal. That's not, I mean, that's great. That can be an outflow. The, the key to marriage is, are you in fellowship with Jesus Christ, husband? Are you in fellowship with Jesus Christ, wife? Is your fellowship constantly disrupted because your spouse is out of fellowship with the Lord? Don't allow that to happen. You can maintain fellowship with the Lord even if your spouse is a raving lunatic for a period of time. You can do that because nothing can disrupt your fellowship with the Lord. And that's kind of the encouragement as we look at these things. Reason for submission. Let's look at verse 23. Let's read it. Here's a reason given. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is 
the Savior of the body. And we see this word for, it's, it's the Greek word hoti or hati, depending on how you pronounce it. But it, it, ex, it explains or expands the, the purpose, why. Okay? He gives the command in verse 22, and now he's going to explain why this should be the case. And it's really interesting explanation because he goes to a theological explanation. He, he goes to a, a positional truth that's true, regardless if we believe it or not. It is just true because this is the way God has set it up. This is why the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And notice that both of these are stated as a present tense ongoing fact. Jesus Christ is head of the church, whether we realize it or not. That's, you know, the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3, they didn't realize it. And so what's Jesus doing at the church in Laodicea? He's just trying to get in the door. He's like, hey, I heard y'all were having church service. Can I be a part of that? I mean, can you imagine Jesus Christ having a knock to get into a church service when they're probably in there going, oh, praise the Lord, praise Jesus. They're not even involving him. He's not leading that church, but he's the head of the church, whether they realized it or not, in Laodicea. And the same is true in the marriage relationship. This is how God has set it up. Why would we fight against God's known order for marriage? Why would we buck against that? Why would we fight against that? The only reason we would do that is because we think we know better than God. Let's just call it what it is. No, God, you can sit this one out. I'm going to run my marriage the way I want to run it. No, God, I don't believe what you say about marriage. I'm going to do it this way because this will be much, so much better. You know, and people do that without saying that all the time in marriage. And I think the encouragement is to say, hey, this is the reason why. It's set up this way. You, if you don't go this way, you're swimming upstream. You're, you're fighting against the very way that God has ordered this thing. Why are you trying to reorder it? It'd be like playing chess with somebody that said, you set the chessboard up and they're like, you set it up wrong. It actually goes this way. What? There's only one way to set up a chessboard. There's only one way to set up a checkers board. Don't tell me it's out of order. No, let's work within the order and play this game the way it's supposed to be played. And you know what? Marriage is set up a certain way. This is how God designed it. In fact, the concept of headship is found other places as well. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians. We'll, we'll read a couple of these Verses, and we'll kind of move quickly through these, but 1 Corinthians eleven three, it communicates this, that the head of the woman is man, the head of the man is Christ, and the head of Christ is God. And we see this concept of headship, even, even in the Godhead. Verse 3, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And then flip over to 1 Corinthians 15, Let's look at verse 28. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28, which says this, And now when all things are made subject to him, that's speaking of Jesus Christ, this is all things looking forward in that into the future day of the kingdom. They're placed under him. It's the same word, hupotasso, that we see in Ephesians 5.22. When all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself, listen to this, will also be subject to him who put all things under him that God may be all in all. Who put things under Jesus Christ? That's God the Father. But the Son is going to place himself under God the Father. And this is talking about a future date. 
We see it in his life. You know, he says, I didn't say anything unless the father told me to say it. I didn't do anything unless the father told me to do it. That was his commentary on his life. He lived in dependence. We're talking about a future date when he's going to be willingly placing himself under the father. And guess what happens? Look at that last phrase in verse 28, that God may be all in all, that this fulfillment of how things are supposed to work and come together will be completely fulfilled completely fulfilled in the way that he wants it, honoring to him. And see, marriage is designed to be the same way. Man's headship over woman in marriage no more implies that woman is inferior to man as does the father's headship over Christ imperial that Christ is inferior to the father. That's a mouthful, but you know what I'm saying. There's, he's not inferior to the father, and yet he places himself under the father. The wife is not inferior to her husband, and yet she is designed to place herself under her husband in a marriage relationship that God might fulfill all that he wants to do in that marriage. Superiority or inferiority is not the issue here. It's not even the issue. Order is. Orderly is the issue. Working with God's design, understanding that true fulfillment in marriage can only be fulfilled according to God's design. If we're not convinced of that, we're going to buck against submission. We're going to buck against love. We're going to just go into self-protect mode over and over again. And you know what the issue is? It's humility. It's recognition that God knows how to put things together. And when he puts things together, he does it well. It doesn't need any improvements from you. Take the highlighter and the red marker out of your hand. You are not going to improve upon what he has done in marriage. Throw your highlighter and red marker away when it comes to marriage and just go with the words of the word of God and stay right there. Buy into that. Shut your ears off to anything else that would teach you otherwise and just be convinced in your mind and your heart, this is the way. God knows what he's doing. He's got this thing well-planned, well-oiled, well-figured out. He knows how you're wired. He knows how your spouse is wired. He knows how to make this thing work. And we just need to buy into it. You know, when we consider headship, it implies a couple of things. And, And men, this is for you to listen to as well. It implies leadership, which we love, right? Yeah, I want to be the leader. I want to tell people what to do. That's kind of what we think about leader. But look at these next two words, accountability, responsibility. That's what we don't like. I got to be accountable. I got to take responsibility for when I make a mistake. When I'm not leading well, I have to take accountability and responsibility for that. Yes, men, you do. (laughs) That's also part of the job description for you. And many times men who purport themselves to be leaders end up blaming their spouse for everything that they do wrong. That's not a leader. That's a coward. That's, by definition, that's a coward. That's not a man. That's not a biblical man. That's not a man who's walking by means of the Spirit. That's not the type of leader that God is looking for in marriage. You know, this is everything that we just talked about that Adam was not in the garden. He sat there. We can go through the text, but he sat there and watched as this serpent crawled through the tree and started deceiving his wife of a clear command that God had given him not to do. And he sat there and watched her make this poor decision, did nothing about it, absolutely did nothing about it. And then when the consequences came, he said, yeah, God, why don't you just execute her? She was the one, give her the death penalty. 
He pushes her out in front of him. That's not a man. That's a coward. That's not a spiritually led man. That's an absolute carnal coward. But you know what? What's really good news in contrast, this is everything that Jesus Christ is for the church. In fact, he took responsibility for you where he did not deserve to take that responsibility. He stepped into our place and paid the penalty for our sin. He had no sin. He didn't deserve to die. He could have lived forever. He he didn't have to die. He willingly took your sin and my sin upon him. And then he provided us with the righteousness that we needed to get to heaven. He paid our debt penalty and he provided a righteousness equal to God's righteousness for you. See, he goes above and beyond. He goes above and beyond as a leader. See, Christ is the head of the church. And not only that, we see Paul also says that Christ alone is the savior of the body. And I want you to notice, go back to your text in verse 23 for a second. I want you to see this for yourself. For the husband is the head of the, the wife. And then notice that, that comparison phrase, as also Christ is the head of the church. But then notice what he says next. And he is the savior of the body. Notice he doesn't say, and he is the savior of the body, just like the husband's the savior of the wife. Because <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. That's why he doesn't, he doesn't say it. He doesn't use this just as comparison. In fact, when we look at the word savior, it means someone who delivers someone who rescues from danger or destruction. And I think the reason Paul doesn't make this just as comparison, it factors largely into why. As wives, you can, you can submit to your husband as unto the Lord because ultimately Jesus is your savior. You don't need to look to your husband um, to save you. In fact, I would encourage you not to look to him as your deliverer, not to look to him as, as your only go-to person or put him on such a pedestal that Jesus Christ kind of fades off into the distance and you're thinking, no, Jesus Christ is always your savior. You're submitting to this man, but you're doing it as you look through him to the Lord. That's the key. This is what we're talking about here. This is the key to submission. And this is why submission is unto the Lord. Your submission to your husband is unto the Lord. We're going to look at Colossians 3.18 in a second. It's going to say you submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. It's, it's how the puzzle pieces fit together. This is how this all comes together. And then we move to verse 24, and he uses another just as comparison as we get there. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. One of the things we see about this word, therefore, a lot of times, therefore, in the scriptures will point back to something where we came from. I think this is one of the therefores that, that points forward to what we're about to read. And, and it kind of, the idea is that there's still more. And he's providing this emphatic conclusion. And what is that emphatic conclusion? Well, just as the church is subject to Christ, and he's going to make this emphatic conclusion, just as that has been set up, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. That's the emphatic conclusion that he's giving in this section. Now, we said this before, but the church is subject to Christ whether they realize it or not. Whether they benefit from that truth or not, they are placed under Jesus Christ. Now, they need to take advantage of it. That's God's order for the church in so many um, churches. And there's this temptation always is to follow or fall in line with what the culture says is what the church needs to do. 
We always get this, this idea that the, the culture dictates how the church should behave, how we should grow, what we should do to affect growth, and all these kind of things. You know, it's really simple. We, we train and equip here so that we might go out there and make disciples. It's, it's simple. The, the, the whole methodology has never changed over the last 2,000 years. Now, there's lots of different methods to accomplish that, but the, the goal and the vision always changes. So I always get a kick when churches are rewriting their vision or mission statement. What for? We got the best vision and mission statement in the history of mankind. Jesus Christ gave it to us in Matthew 28. It's real simple. Again, put the highlighter in the red ink and just go throw them in the garbage can and just stick with what the Word of God says. That's the goal. Now, can we do it better? Of course we could do it better. But, the, but we're not changing the vision or mission statement. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, as if we can improve on what Jesus Christ is doing. So the church is subject to Christ, whether or not they realize it or not. That's true. What's interesting here is it's a passive voice, meaning it's been done to the church, and it's not done by the church. The church has been placed in this position of subjection, and, you know, the same is true for wives in terms of their position. Now, whether or not they take advantage of it and actively place themselves under it, that's their decision. That's every wife's decision. And it's not just a decision you make on your wedding day. It's a decision that you will make moment by moment through all the ebbs and flows of the trials and circumstances of life. That's when it actually comes into play. And, you know, he makes this statement, and, and I think it's worthwhile looking at. Because he says, just as this is true that the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. You guys probably picked that up. Those who are paying attention closely. In everything. Really? Everything? Okay. So let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Yes, in everything. <laughs> We're just going to take it at face value. That's the ultimate goal of the wife's submission, is in everything. She wants to take this position in every facet of her family's life in relationship to her husband and his leading. And if this is the mindset of the woman that she's not easily distracted, she's not easily disturbed by what she might view as an unwise or foolish decision by her husband, she's not easily distracted or disturbed by what other people are filling her ear with, as it relates to her husband. And so she's, she's, her mindset is, this is my default mindset, is I'm going to submit and place myself under this man in everything because I'm doing it as unto the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord. And what we see is she is by faith trusting the Lord through her husband, knowing that he will not make perfect decisions all the time and just understand he's not going to. He's not designed to do that. I, I wish... I wish. I mean, I've got three daughters. I would love to be able to magically confer on their future husbands perfection the day that they marry my daughters. I would love for them to have that. And it's not going to happen, right? That's just the way it is. Now, somebody always here says, well, what about the exception? What about the exceptions, right? And I just, I I find it interesting. I I do want to talk about those, but I do find it interesting that Paul never talks about 
exceptions. He, just, he doesn't talk about that in this passage. You go to the, when we talk about submitting to, to the governing authorities, the civil authorities in Romans 13, he doesn't talk about exceptions there either. We have to go outside of the passage to, in our effort to teach the whole counsel of the word of God to, to put this together. Are there exceptions? Yeah, I think one of the, the clear exception is this. If the husband is asking the wife to do something clearly in violation of God's word, her higher responsibility is always going to be to the Lord. Okay, that's to me the exception. Verse 22, you know, if he, if he says something, uh, if your husband is asking you to do something you just don't like, that's a totally different ballgame. If he's asking you to do something that violates the word of God, then you have a responsibility to your higher authority, which is Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that we see is that wives will be held accountable for their actions before the Lord. Look no farther than the story of Ananias and Sapphira. See, Sapphira was just going along with Ananias' plan. He's like, hey, trust me, hon. I can, we can make a little bit of money here. We can look really good to the church. Just kind of go along with me here. And she still lost her life over that. She could have just said, you know, that's lying. We're not going to, I'm not going to, if you want to do that, that's fine. I'm not, I refuse to lie. And she would still be, she would still be living. But she went along with her husband's plan. Just shows that I think, uh, again, women are not designed in submission to just turn off their brain. They're still designed to, to think and to walk by means of the Spirit and respond uh, to the Word of God. And this is, um, I think, just a good illustration of this. Uh, again, the wife being here, the husband of the head. But if there's something contradictory coming out of here, her responsibility is to the higher authority um, up on that chart. Jump down to verse 33 with me. Let's look at a couple more things here and also then over in Colossians. Verse 33 says this, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And one of the things we, we see here, this word respect, uh, it's, it's the word meaning to put into fear, uh, to terrify, to frighten. That's kind of the literal meaning of the word, but it also came to mean respect, awe, or reverence. Okay, and I don't think he's talking about you know, you need to be afraid of your husband. Uh, I don't think that's what he's talking about. It's more of this honor, awe, reverence, um, respect. It would be not downing him uh, to other people. You know, many wives feel very comfortable in certain settings, maybe with friends, maybe with family members, to just down their husband. That would be in direct violation to this. It's to show honor and respect. Yeah, your husband's not perfect, but you know the whole neighborhood doesn't need to hear about that. Okay. Yeah, your husband's made mistakes, but your church friends don't need to hear about that. Yeah, your husband it, it really blew it in this situation. But yeah, your mom, your sister, your best friend from elementary school doesn't need to hear about it. It doesn't need to be advertised. It just brings disrespect and dishonor to him. What's also interesting here is that this is something that the wife should do in a continual, ongoing manner. And it's also used in the middle voice. That means if she re- will respect her husband, she'll actually receive the benefit from it. She'll benefit from it. So it's, it's just one of those things. There's no reason to go against this teacher and, or this teaching. And so rather than fearing things in life, um, transfer that respect to your husband and trusting yourself to his care. The idea communicated is that the wife is not in control. She has to look to her husband to lead. And again, it speaks more to this internal response rather than just an external response going through the motions. And before we leave Ephesians 5, this is exactly what a wife will look like if she's being led by the Spirit of God, if she's filled by the Spirit, uh, going back to verse 18. And just turn with me really briefly to Colossians 
chapter 3. Colossians 3.18, similar teaching here, but we pick up, uh, again, uh, just another little nuance to kind of paint the whole picture this morning. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And um, the word submits the same exact form, everything that we just talked about in Ephesians 5, same exact use here. Again, Paul writing Ephesians and Colossians about the same time, so it makes sense. But he uses this phrase here. It's a little bit different than as to the Lord. It says, as is fitting in the Lord. And what this word fitting means uh, is what belongs, what's proper, what's, what's right. Um, picture a, a puzzle. You know, those of us that, um, I'm not a big puzzle fan. I'll just kind of confess that. Um, I, don't, I don't like sitting around. I'm like, ah, oh, this piece is close enough, but I'm jamming in there, right? Because I, I just want to be done with this thing. Right? And, and people that really like puzzle, they're, they're like flipping it around, checking it out, looking at the carton. I mean, doing all sorts of, I'm not that way. But, but this, is, this is kind of what the idea is, that there's a certain place, wives, that, that you fit in a marriage, and you want to fit there perfectly. You want to be, again, it, it speaks to order. It speaks to what's proper. It speaks to what God has designed for you. And you want to take time to fit your role perfectly for your specific husband. And again, this is why baking your fav- his favorite meal may work for some husbands. That may be really encouraging to them, but it might not work for your husband. So don't get caught into this mindset, oh, I'm just going to do what the books tell me to do. I'm just going to do what Google tells me to do. I'm just going to do what my friends tell me to do. I'm just going to do what my mom used to do for my dad. No, you have a responsibility to study your own husband. What does that look like? It might be not making him his own favorite meal. It might be buying him a, a bag of red Twizzlers or something. You know? I mean, that, that might really speak to his heart. And, and yes, food is always a good default mode for men. So just kind of remember that too. And so what we're going to see is that this is the wife's buy-in. When we talk about being fitting to the Lord or doing things as fitting in the Lord, it's to, it's, this is the wife's buy-in. That what God says is good and right, what's proper for marriage relationship to function at its peak way is, is this. And this is just the right way to go about it. Now we'll look at some additional details next week for wives and then we'll finish up our series and then we'll have celebration Sunday in a couple weeks. So just encourage you to, if you've got any friends, well, of course you've got friends, but if you've got friends that you can invite, invite your friends. Let's pray. Lord, thanks this morning with such an important topic, Lord. And I just pray as, as we leave this morning that the wives in the room are encouraged, Lord, and, and really specifically encouraged to trust you in their marriages, and to walk by faith in these truths. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.